This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, those that are listening on Warning Radio or Shortwave Program, welcome. And all of those watching on our social media programs, welcome. Today, my wife, uh, Adalia Hansen, is going to be sharing. Adalia? Well, thank you very much. It's a live audience, so you'll hear some sound here and there. So, <clears throat> today I'm going to share about the topic, the day of his power. The day of his power. So, I'll be reading from the book of Psalms 110, verse 1 to 3. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers or willing, um, other versions says willing, in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. So my emphasis today will be um, verse 3. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. So here, David is speaking prophetically um, concerning the Messiah. And he, through his uh, spiritual senses, heard the conversation of the Godhead, where God was telling God, you know, the Lord God telling the Son, sit at my right hand. So the Lord had already accomplished, you know, death on the cross, and he was resurrected. So he told him to sit at my right hand. My right hand not, is not necessarily the right hand. It means a place of authority. That's what it means. And also, I'll make your enemies your footstool. So we know that Jesus has enemies here in the earth realm. You have heard the verse that says, the last enemy to be defeated will be death. But there are other enemies, like we have sicknesses, we have diseases. We have the manifestation of the kingdom of darkness. These are enemies because they are against the will of God and they're against what he wants to do with his children. So anything that is contrary to the will of God and is opposing God is an enemy to the Lord, right? Now, it says his people shall be willing, willing. So it comes to us being willing, being, being volunteers, giving yourself, and also um, submitting. So willingness and power comes hand in hand. They're not so far apart. You have to be willing. If you remember the story of the sick person who went to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, is in the book of Luke chapter 5. He said, Jesus, if you are willing, heal me. You see, he asked Jesus, are you willing to heal me? And Jesus said, what was his answer? I am willing. Willingness. He has to be willing. So th that one portrayed the willingness of God to heal, to deliver, to be able to change and renew your mind, transformation, restoration. We all know that Jesus is always willing because he does not want any of us to perish, right? He's always willing. But are we willing to receive what he said he wants to do for us. It talks about in the day of his power. In the day of his power could be a moment like this. We are sitting down here 
It's the moment of power where he gets to release his power. And also the days of his power could also mean also the days that we live in. So since Christ is, is risen and he ascended and he sits at the right hand of the Father, uh, the minute he sat there, we are on those days whereby it's the day of his power. Now, the question comes in, if we are in the day of the power of Christ, then how come we are not seeing that power? What is really going on? How come we are not seeing it? If we only we see it, we only see a little bit of it here and there. But we're not, um, we're not, be, we're not experiencing the fullness of His power. So it's one thing that we are dealing with the unwillingness of the person to receive, and also to submit, to believe. And another thing, have you realized sometimes when people, you know, when you're ministering to people. You touch people and they fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. But when they get up, they're the same person. They get up, they're still sick. They get up, they still have the same mindset. The problem is not God. That's not, that's not, the problem is not God. The problem is you. The problem is us, his children. Because you know that the promises of God are yes and amen. What he said he will do will always prosper what he sent it to do. It does not fail and it does not return unto him void. So the problem is on us. There's something we have to ask God, how come? What is it that am I doing wrong that in all this time I have been in your presence, probably I have been in the church, but I'm still the same old person. Willingness. Are you willing? You know, we know the scriptures. We speak it, we preach it, we sing it. We know all that. We even tell people about it. But when we look on the outside, we are speaking that. But on the inside, there's still damage in the person's soul. The book of Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in his green, green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He also speaks of him as the, he restores my soul. We know the soul is the will, the mind, and the intellect, the emotion of the person. So he's the one who has to restore the person. But how come? You being in the church and also amongst the children of God still experience the same thing, yet he says he's the restorer of the soul. Something is missing. Are you willing? Are you willing? Unbelief is unwillingness. When you don't believe what you read, you don't believe what you say, you don't believe what you hear. You know, it's so easy to speak it like pastor said, but to believe it is one thing. Right? But when you come to a point of willingness, you know, like I said some days ago, you have no other plan. You know? You believe and you say, this is it. Jesus said it. I will stand on it. Whatsoever comes, I will stand on it. You have to stand on that truth. Because, listen to me, when you're released from something, don't think the devil will just give up on you. No, no, no. You know, he wants to drag as many people as he can. He wants to oppress me, many people as he can. So when it's sometimes you're delivered from something, and okay, let's say we touched you and you fell down and probably released or something, but he will still come. Because he's coming to test, is the person willing? Is the person, did the person really receive it? Sometimes when he comes, he finds the person empty. Why? The person has not been able to be built up in the word of God. The person is not filled with the word of God. There's no belief. 
Yes, they know the scriptures, but is there a belief and standing on what they're reading? So when he comes and he finds the house empty, Jesus spoke of the parable when the demons, when the demons go, they come back, they will see is the house empty. So if, if it's empty, they'll say, oh, let me go get the others. And they'll come and fill the house of that person and the person will become even worse than he was before. I was talking to one of my family members and I was telling her because she was telling me, you know, she has been in the church and she knows a lot of the scriptures of healing and stuff. But she said, I believe it. I, I know that people get healed. I rejoice when people get healed, but I don't believe it for myself. I don't believe I can pray for someone and that person gets healed. And the answer that came from my spirit was, you need to meditate the word of God until you become one with that word. There's a reason why God told Joshua, meditate upon this word day and night. Because when you meditate, because the Bible says, the man thinketh, so is he. When you think about the word of God, you become a carrier of that word. You become one with that word. So there is nothing that the enemy will be able to bring to you or um, be able to tell you or do to you, even if he's doing it, you know, you'll not be, you don't, you will not be swayed on his side because you believe and you stand on it. When I was going through, when I was demonized many years ago, you know, th that was the time when the Bible and me were like, we were the best of friends because the enemy would always come to see, has she gotten to a point where she can stand on her own in terms of me believing on the words that Jesus spoke. It came to a point that I'll see a demon and he'll even stand right next to me and I'll say, oh, you have come. And I will turn my head and face the other side and continue to sleep. Because why? I became one with the word. Because I knew that whomsoever the law sets free is what? Free indeed. Before that, I would be scared and wake up and here I am screaming in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. But it came to a point. I said, oh, you are here. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I don't need to be disturbed. And I'll go back to sleep. And the demon will go away. The demons will know if the person is stable in the word of God. You can preach. We can talk. We can sing all that. But the demons will know, is this person stable? Is this person stable? So they come and test the person. If the person is stable in the word of God, does this person believe what the person was told or read or heard about the promises of Jesus. So sometimes the demons will come and then will manipulate the thoughts of the person. Let me tell you something. Demons, you know, as a believer, there's a face, there's a place in us, in the soul that the demons can take hold of in that even their thoughts, what they speak to you might think they're your thoughts, but they're not your thoughts. These are demonic thoughts. It's called manipulation of thoughts. They are speaking and you think it's you who's thinking. If you study demonology, you'll be able to understand that part where there's this aspect of the soul. The demons will come and take a grip of that. They will speak and you think it's your thoughts. And yet it's not your thoughts. It's them. But the minute you start to believe what, what you're thinking, then you become it. If you think you're a failure, you'll become a failure. If you think you can pray for a person, that person will not get healed. That's what you will be because you always be intimidated. If you think, well, um, I don't think this will happen to me. I don't think I deserve this. That's what you will be because you'll become one with the thoughts of the demons. Thoughts of failure, disgrace, and shame. You need to understand sometimes those thoughts are not yours. When demons come and whisper to your ears, you might think, you might, they even use your voice. They use your voice and you might think that's you. Those are not your thoughts. Those are the thoughts of the demons, because remember, when you gave yourself to Christ, you died, right? 
and then you resurrected with him, you became one with him. You see that song that says, yet not I, but Christ in me. There's some things that need to come off you. You cannot be staying in the old because if Jesus comes and say, oh, behold, I'm doing a new thing. The old has passed, right? And here he comes in the day of his power. He's coming with the fullness of healing and deliverance. And then the person comes and still is looking back. You know, you're ever looking back. That's not his problem. It's not his fault. So people say, oh, I've prayed and God is not doing anything. Check. Check yourself. Check yourself. Examine yourself. You're always turning back, always looking back on the old, always thinking about the same thoughts. It all comes back to the mindset. You know, there's a place where somebody might stay in oppression until that person, strongholds are built in that situation. If somebody, there's a pastor who was saying, when he was dealing with uh, the youth, sometimes these youths have been in sin for the longest duration until he, he's an apostolic teacher. He said, sometimes he will preach and teach all that he could, but the person does not change. The strongholds have been built in the mind. You're trying your best. You're teaching the word. You're telling them the word. You're trying everything. But the mindset of the person has not changed. So people say it's the problem of the preacher. It's the preacher's fault. Examine yourself. The mindset. Remember the strongholds have to be broken. The old. You cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. Amen? In these days, you know, if you see the signs, um, there are things that are, are, are there to happen prior to the second coming of Christ. We know bad things and everything else are going to happen, but it's also the time of the escalation of the power of God. Amen. It talks about, um, if you read the book of Romans, it says the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. People who are led by the Spirit. If you read the book of Joel 2nd, is it number 2? Uh, probably Joel chapter 2 talks about a rising army. These are armies that are led by the Spirit of God. These are warriors. We're talking about lions being released in these days. In these days. So in these days of His power, now we have to deal with some things for us to be able to experience the power of God. Like I said, the power of God can be right now as we're sitting down. He's always willing. He's always willing. But are you willing? In the book of Isaiah, he said, if you are willing, you will eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You see, there's an emphasis on willingness. You have to be willing. Jesus was healing, willing to, to heal the person. The person was healed. But are you willing to receive from him in return? You could tell the person was willing to be healed. But the question was to Jesus, are you willing to heal me? But that summarizes all. He's always willing. You know, there's that song that says, I speak Jesus, I speak Jesus. We sing, I speak Jesus over you. I speak Jesus over you. You have to have an understanding. For you to be able to experience the power of God, there has to be an establishment of an understanding of the principles of the kingdom. Yes, we have people who are good people. They have good relationship with God, but they do not experience the dimension of God in terms of power. They're good. They do what is right. They have a good relationship, but there's a part of him they do not experience. So it all comes to the principles of the kingdom of God. Have you heard? You see the witches and the warlocks, they tap into spiritual realities and they have results. They have power. Yes, not of God, but it's still power. 
In Africa, you'll find somebody who, who can be in church for the longest time, even an elder of the church. They'll come sing hymns and they'll clap and do all that stuff. But if the church does not demonstrate power, the person will look for help elsewhere. Let's say the person's child is sick or dying. The church the person goes to, there is no power. The hospital is not going to help the child. What do you think the person will go? To where there is power to heal that child, even if it's in the demonic world. You know, one of the, one of my deliverance teachers told me, do not despise people who go to witches and warlocks. Do you know why? He said, some of these people have searched through the church. They have found no power. There's no one who can be able to stand in the truth of God and be able to deliver them from what's, from what's opp oppressing them. He said, once they find someone, they're desperate people. They're desperate people. If you look at this with the eyes of Jesus, you have heard Jesus delivering and also um, forgiving and delivering people who are satanic worshipers. Because why? They were introduced to the power of Satan before they were introduced to the power of God. Understand what I'm saying? You know, in our religious mind, we might say, oh, that person is so awful. Look where the person went. You might find a good woman with a dying child from the villages, right? The person has looked around. The church is so helpless, cannot help the woman. Because of the love for her child, where would she go? To those people who display power. Yet it is not of God. They have said the church is weak. We have no power. You know, we, are, you know, we have become a laughingstock to the world. Some people you try to teach them, you talk to them about Jesus, they just laugh at you. You know, they go like, eh, you go with your Jesus elsewhere. Because there's nothing for us to prove to them. There is a God in heaven. It is not God's fault. It is not his fault. We know he's all things. He's all in all. There's nothing too difficult for him. Amen. But we're supposed to represent him. We're to draw these people in, we have to showcase the power of God. I know there is love of God, but the power is needed because there are many people who are oppressed. They need deliverance. They need healing. They need breakthrough. Some people go to drugs because it makes them feel better because the church cannot help them. Right? I like that song, Give Me Vision to See as You See. You know, sometimes there's a satanic um, priest who now is a preacher. But Jesus delivered him and told him, if I don't, you'll go straight to hell. But Jesus' love delivered this man. Yet he was worshiping Satan. But for Jesus' love to go and to go and deliver him, to show him, no, my side is way better. This is me. This is me. And the minute that person was shown, oh, there is Jesus and there is power and there is light, he followed Christ. Because he was introduced to that when he was a child. He was introduced to the light. He was introduced to darkness as a child. They do not know. They do not know. If you hear the verse, forgive them for they do not know, it's because they do not know. So it is wrong for us to start, you know, judging on them. Because if you see how Christ see people, I'm telling you, sometimes we'll be ashamed because how we view people. Because if you see how he view those people, the same people, you'll be shocked. You'll be in wonder. The people who are in drugs and prostitution, people who are worshiping Satan, the way he sees them is way different than a religious Christian sees them. Because what he sees them is like they're blinded and they do not know. They do not know. But the minute he showcases his power to them, you have heard of Muslim having a radical change. Then they go say, no, Allah is not God, but Jesus, he is God. He goes to those places 
the places that we feel like those places are places that we should not go, those are the places you will go. They say, you'll be, sh- you'll be shocked, the prostitutes, Jesus said it, the prostitutes and the murderers are the people who shall enter the kingdom of God. Why? The minute he, he is revealed to them, they become radical believers because they have seen his power, his might, his transformation. And the person who's been in the church for many years is still dragging and slothful. The Bible says, my, pe- my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Talks about the lack of understanding on the principles of the kingdom. No, you know, we know the scriptures. There's some things, some things sometimes you ought to do to cause a move. Like sometimes there are places where you're called to fast because the situation is too strong. Like you're called to prayer and fasting. Some people opt not to. Then they'll say there's no power in the church. There's a place where we're called to be givers. That's a place that people you know, don't, don't want to talk about it. But there's a place when you give. It's not even about the money. God sees the heart and see this person is willing to release what he has. He has not put money as his God. It's me he wants. The person is not giving for the, for the multiplication of money. But the person is giving for the kingdom. The people shall be willing in the day of his power. The willingness to give for the cause of the kingdom. The willingness to work in the kingdom of God. The willingness to go to places that we ought, you know, we don't usually go to go preach the word. Willingness. We have to be willing to be able to see that power. Willingness to forgive. What I like the story about John was, he said he forgave the man that did him wrong. You see, the funny thing, look at it this way. He didn't have to ask for forgiveness naturally because he didn't do anything wrong. It's the person that did the wrong. But the willingness to go and tell the person, I forgive you, broke whatsoever that was there for him to, re- to be able to experience the power of God. Some people naturally think, why do I have to go and tell the person, forgive, forgive me? What are, you, what are you forgiving me for? Because you are the person on the wrong, right? So why should, I, why should I forgive you? Like, why should I ask you for forgiveness? Yet you're the person who wronged me first. But we go and do it anyway. I like the verse, be, uh, it talks about being a fool for Christ. Be a fool. Go forgive the person. There's a time I was meditating and the Holy Spirit brought into my mind. There was somebody. You know, this. I'm telling, there are people, you know, you're dealing with hard and difficult people. And the person was the one on the wrong. And I said things to the person which are actually correct. But he said, go ask the person. Because sometimes the words, sometimes there's some truth you can give the word. It will damage the person even more. Even the way you say it. You know that? So I said, go, go ask the person for forgiveness. I was like, do I have to? I wasn't on the wrong. And so I did. But once I did, that's when after a few days I saw a vision of Jesus. All right? Be a fool. Be willing. Be willing to look like a fool. Be willing to act like a fool for the sake of Christ. Not to be a fool just for the sake of being a fool, but for the sake of Christ. Amen? Now, no, um, choose and to know the principles of the kingdom of God. I love listening to sermons and reading books, but also I would prefer um, most of the time that you read the word for yourself. You might find a book, it will speak of something, but let's say it's one topic on one area, but you yourself can cover many areas in the principle of the kingdom of God by just reading the word. Read the word and meditate upon it. You don't read it like a storybook. You read it like... Your life depends on it until you become one with the word. If it is healing you're looking for, you have to meditate on the words of healing until 
you become one with the healing scripture. Even if it's that one scripture, until you become one with the scripture. In terms of you cannot even be separated between you and the scripture. You become entangled. And that's when the power will be able to release. Because you have the establishment of the understanding of what that scripture is all about. Because sometimes, have you tried, you read a verse and it's not working. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. You're still, you're still the same sick person you were like five years ago. Meditate upon it until it becomes one with you. The same way evil thoughts can cause a stronghold in a person. Make the word become a place that it becomes like a tree planted in you. Because one thing, we all know that. The word of God does not fail. It does not. If you think it's fail, you have a wrong mindset. There's something that you're not doing right. There was a time I kept, you know, people coming to minister. I fall down. I, I stand up. I fall down. I'm still the same person. Until I said, okay, enough of listening to messages and all that. Let me deep, dig deep the word of God for myself. For myself. Now, even now, if I see people falling, I don't get moved by people falling. Because I was one of those people who fell and, and I didn't change. Falling is a good thing because that's an impact of the Holy Spirit. But fall, get up and do something about it. You see, the Bible says prophecies will pass. A lot, the earth will pass, but the word remains forever. The word remains forever. Fall, but still know the word. Because now if you consider the demonstration of falling and then you, your mindset, you're still empty in the inside or your mindset is still on the old, then that's something we need to change. Amen. The word of God is a lamp upon your feet and it's a light unto your path. That's Psalms 119 and then Psalms 119 verse 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Meditation of the word of God will be able to cause a light. It will disclose hidden things. Things that are hidden in the darkness will be disclosed. And it will be able to give you an understanding on the principles of the kingdom of God and how to apply it. To gain dominion, you just don't claim a word. You know, you have heard of, I claim it, I claim it, I receive it, I claim it. But where is the impact? People go like, I claim that, I receive that. But if you look at the person's life, that claiming and receiving has done nothing. The person has to understand what is being said. An understanding and you becoming one with that word. The willingness and the day of power goes hand in hand. There's a, there's, um, a place that says, if you're willing, there's a way, but the way is Christ. You have heard of where's the willing, there's a way. Where there's a willing, there's a way. The Bible says Jesus is the way. So if you turn it into a biblical view, that way is Jesus. If you're willing, you'll have Jesus in his fullness. Amen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed this tremendous message, which applies to each and every one of us. My phone number, 360-629-5248. My website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org, and my email, warning at worldministries.org, warning 
at worldministries.org. God bless you.